Thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you. Hello again, fellow basement dwellers. This is your good friend Patrick O'Dowd welcoming you in to another edition of Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com, where we encourage you to always use your head. The Chairshot.com. Always use your head. Thank you very much to my secret girlfriend, Amber, for contributing. We have a loaded bandwagon on the show today. We have brought back some long-lost guests to the show to help us with the Op Project as we do the Op Project Part 6, Home Stretch Time. We got this in comedies. That's all that's left. And we're doing action movies, our top 10 action movies from 2000 to 2009, and I brought back Christopher Platt, everybody. I don't know how I feel about this. I'm a little nervous. The voice of the chair shot. How's your wife and my kid? Greetings and salutations, Damn. ladies and gentlemen. Shout out to Major League. <laughs> Welcome to be back. And I'm going to tell you like this, Patrick. If this kid come out looking like fucking uh, Paul Dano, Lucy got some splaining to do. <laughs> hey, uh, myself, myself, Paul Dano, and um, Bob Odenkirk hanging out on Thanksgiving. It's We're, good times. Best, best case scenario, you and Kriba stay together, raise the kid, and Patrick pays for it. So there you go. That's true. Well, you don't. I work for the state. You don't want that kind of money. Because <laughs> that's, that's no money. Uh, that other voice you are hearing is one PC Tunny who uh, who. Uh, says he's going to help me referee because apparently I've introduced a dangerous element to a pre-existing mm. element in the form of uh, Aesop Mitchell, who's been helping us throughout the op project from the get-go. Welcome back to Long the show. Rivalry. Yeah, I hear Long there's, yeah. there's complicated. There, now, DWI, there, Pot is War, to Down the Wire, I mean, Three Man Weave, this is longstanding rivalry. Okay. Oh, yeah, me, doing, and, me and Platt are oil and water. You you you're, can you're decide like, which one's the translucent one. You go together like lamb and tuna fish. Oh, here we go. I mean, it's hard to tell if we're being honest. Like I'm barely tanner than him. I've been catching uh, rays from the uh, nice Wisconsin sun. Yeah, it's definitely making me a little bit darker. But yeah, uh, you right. got you got the bonuses because you're wearing the black shirt right now. So, well, I mean, you are a whiter so, shade of pale. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, we don't we I so Greg DeMarco, let's just put his name out there. He's been threatening me, y'all. Who is that? I who is Greg DeMarco? He's a le- he's allegedly he's allegedly Ooh. the guy in charge. I say he's been th- I feel I feel threatened. Promoter. I feel attacked because like, he's talking to me the only about is a promoter. He's a promoter. He is Greg DeMarco is a promoter. He'll he'll tell you himself. I I just um Apparently, there might be changes on the horizon that could result in limiting the bandwagon's creative freedom, gentlemen. I'm responsible. You would have me. Yeah. Oh, I don't know why fault, you would Tony. have me on if that's the case. <laughs> it is my fault. It is my fault. Why are you doing that to me, Tony? Anyway, I'm just kidding. Is an indirect result of trying to broaden our horizons. Well, son of a bitch! Now we can't I mean, talk if for you, seven hours. If you, if you'd like to, I could tell you on air right now, we can nah, just nah. end the video portion of the program at two hours and continue the rest on Ooh. Chairshot Radio Network audibly. So you mean we're going to see Aesop Mitchell's rippling biceps 
live and in color. And by by Where? wrestling, I mean wet noodle biceps. Yeah. <laughs> yep. About right. This is like, uh, this gonna be like a where's the wall? situation. Looking like the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. <laughs> oh, very nice. All right. I'll so here's what we... Just so you know, I'm going to pull this uh, tank top down nice and low oh, for you. Oh, shit. Oh, now we God. got nudity. Now it's, we got nudity, uh, man. We got to edit that and, shit out. It's Bandwagon Nerds <laughs> After Dark. Here's what we're covering today. We have a brief visit to the trailer park before we go into the op project to talk about our top 10 action flicks of the first decade in the 2000s. I'm very excited about this. Platt had a lot of questions at the zero hour yesterday. I was a little worried about him, but we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later in the show. No Dave this week, as David decided that Mickey Mouse, once again, is more important than bandwagon nerds. And so for that, David, you get this. Yes. Seriously, Ooh. what are you doing? Still love. I still love you, Dave. It's it's fine. Uh, and because there's no David Ungar, you get no extra sound outside of the sounds that I play. So we're gonna go to the trailer park. But do you do you have banjo music to play for the trailer park? Now, see so your way no, beyond. No, it's fine. I don't. So we're just. Near, 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 near. You See, look, we're helping. See? Well, you could have done it together then and went into the whole thing. Uh, I yeah, thought well. that's what we were doing. I didn't realize Sop was going to stop. <laughs> anyway, so we'll just imagine that that was our entrance into the trailer park, and God help us all. I should have just done a commercial break instead. That just would have been much easier on my psyche. <laughs> this is going to be a show and a half. I can all you still can. tell. I could. But I still already I already have two commercial breaks. I gotta figure, I actually gotta put the recordings up this time. Like I gotta try this week, fellas. And that's that's a little that's a little nerve wracking. Thus the scotch. Thus yes, this is the bottom of my American oak cask Belvini twelve year scotch. It's because it's Selection Sunday. Selection Sunday that's is cool. a drinking holiday for myself, and, and the scotch will be a flowing. But we're in the trailer park. I got three trailers for us to cover today. One that Ray Cash sent us, um, as Ray is always with us in spirit, if not on the show anymore. Um, hopefully you come back someday soon for a guest spot. Figure out your shit. We miss you. Um, and I know it's it's all work-related at this point. So I, I just I don't have anybody to boo anymore. But he uh, did share a trailer of a, a film that's going to be releasing on the 17th, starring Rosario Dawson, called DMZ which stands for Demilitarized Zone. Uh, looks like it takes place in a not-too-distant future. Some sort of war has broken out as she was evacuating with her son, and I'm presuming her husband. They get separated. She goes back into a demilitarized zone to find her son. Christopher Platt has raised his finger. Is he? You, you have better information than I do? So it's, it's February. You said the not-so-distant future. This takes place in February. Like it was dropped in February. Okay, cool. No, I'm. No, no, I'm, I, I, no, no. I get. I, I <laughs> I've been mind. drinking. Like, thanks. if your joke sucks, Th it sucks. Thanks. Like, I mean, it's okay. Yeah. Thanks, fellas. Thanks a lot. Appreciate yeah. you. Keep nobody going. Likes you. Nobody I likes you. I didn't get it. I didn't. I didn't right. get it. <laughs> Whatever, Patrick. You have words to say. Please say them. This awkward sound brought it. to you by Bandwagon Nerds, here <laughs> on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com. Anyway. 
I so love sensitive, myself, Chris. I love myself a good dystopian future uh, film. I, I have little faith in direct and Netflix movies. It's it's become the direct-to-video shelf at Blockbuster uh, on a lot of levels, even when there are big-time casts. So I don't have a lot of thoughts about this trailer. Aesop, you look like you're about to say something. What do you? What did you see? Did you watch? The well, trailer? well, first of all, it's actually going to be a TV mini series, so I don't know how Never much mind. that might sway uh, your opinions on it. You know what I mean? I. I personally like it less because of that. I have been I a little bit streaming. It's a streaming miniseries, not TV. It's going to be on HBO Max. Yeah, yeah. Oh, which I even is got, see, a, I even got streaming. the network wrong. Like, I mean, really, I know, really, shit. you're going to correct me. No, off but if that. you watch HBO, but if you watch HBO on Direct TV on your television, that's HBO. What does that? What does that say? What does that say? DMX. Yeah. So oh, it's oh. that's the category no. of it, but it's on streaming. Oh my God! Shut up. <laughs> so, what are your thoughts on the damn show, folks? <laughs> I like Ava DuVernay. I I like That's her, uh, and if she can do uh, work equivalent to uh, her previous stuff, I will definitely enjoy myself. But uh, again, I am a little bit burnt out on the miniseries thing. I think the Marvel miniseries over the past uh, year was not very solid in my opinion. And uh, obviously we already know Patrick's feelings on Book of Boba Fett and uh, you know Mandalorian as well. So, uh, you know, this is, this is something that I just gotta wait for. I, I, I can't really have a feeling towards it until I get a chance to dive into the story a little bit. I mean, to be fair, I just don't like the Book of Mando Fett. Like I like the I like the Mandalorian, um, I liked the idea of the book of Boba Fett, and then the show came out and it was shit. Uh, it I'm, did Zack Snyder direct it? Was that what happened? <laughs> I don't even know. Uh, as I as I as I hit all of the hits, um, yeah, it's just it's, I do think this is a real uh, a, a legitimate question. And it's funny because we're talking about streaming series and we're about to talk about two more trailers about two other streaming series. Uh, that we're probably more interested in. But has a shark been jumped with streaming content? Or is this just is this just the boat we're in now? Like, is this just what it is? Like, what's... I, I don't know. Like, it, it feels like... Even I, I'm like, there's too much content. The answer is there, yes. There are... Yes, the shark there, has there... been jumped, but this is our new normal at this point in time. That's the answer, the second part of it, right? It's not different people producing different things. It's just a different way to consume it. That's all it is. There's movies and there's TV series, like Aesop said, right? It's it, And it's streaming or it's not. And right now, if you're not streaming, you're probably not hot. Well, except everything is streaming. I mean, really, what isn't streaming oh. outside of live sports and the news? Everything well, is streaming. And what's interesting is even shows that quote-unquote originate on a channel you like they there's now this new incentivization within tv stations to stream it first for example walking dead you can watch okay. walking dead two days before it hits regular television to me what's not streaming is movies that hit theaters first uh television shows that hit live airwaves first just to specify right. which is interesting that more sitcoms haven't gone the way of streaming Honestly, like that seems to have been the niche on television. Like everything else you can stream like right away. Sitcoms, you got to wait. Yeah, but how many sitcoms are, quote unquote, sitcoms are there actually? 
Like, is that a? I mean, some of them work, but most of them don't. Like, I, I, Here, I almost feel like that's kind of a, how a many medium in itself. How many sitcoms the, are there? How many sitcoms are there that aren't associated with Blackish as well? Because that seems to be the only uh, <laughs> like sitcoms on TV that's anymore. Actually, uh, that's not even a, like it's okay, funny, here. but it's not. Yeah, go ahead, Tony. What's not streaming? WWE main roster. Yeah. Fair. What are you talking about? Streaming on the cock. Yeah, if you want to wait five weeks. That's true. He's talking about that raw. I mean, it's on television. It's on Hulu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can also watch it on yeah. Hulu. Yeah, but you have to wait day. two yeah. days, and it's not the whole show. That, and that contract's coming up, and it's going to depend be gone. depending on what so kind of level plan you have. So now that this a wrestling show, um, basically the point here is, it, it just it kind of is our it is our new normal. Let's talk about another streaming series since that's what we got on. Wait, the, uh, uh, what? I, I apologize, man. Before we get to that, man, I, I had some a question that I wanted to oh, ask sure, you guys because number one. I'm I'm gonna check it out because I absolutely love Rosario Dawson as an actress. But if you she makes very interesting choices as an actress. You know what I mean? Like if you go to her IMDB page, it's all over the place. And I, I kinda wanted to get you guys thoughts on this because I feel like she kinda got hamstrung a little bit because as opposed to a Jennifer Lopez or uh, a uh, Zelma Hayek or even a uh, Ava Mendez, I think she has kind of more of a quote unquote urban slant to her which you know up until recently that wasn't really what hollywood was looking for you know what i mean plus don't get me wrong she's a very beautiful woman but i don't think that she exudes sexuality like the other women that i named and I i'm just wondering you know what do y'all think about her career because i feel like if you ran her career back i i, I don't see a reason why she couldn't have had a j-lo type career you know what i mean She's played grittier characters. That's definitely the portrayal. But wouldn't you want someone to not take away from what a woman is actually doing in this climate, right? Like, it's not because of anything but her grit determination that she's going to end up being the hero and the victor in this movie. It's quite obvious, even though it looks like she gets shot. But that's all I really have to add. I won't watch this, by the way. <laughs> she's... She's, um... I guess a lesser version of Halle Berry, uh, who had something very similar, you know, those kind of grittier roles at times. And, you know, I don't know. I don't, nothing against Rosario Dawson, because I do like her stuff too. But that is just more or less how she kind of comes off. I, yeah, I, I'm sorry, man. I got, I got nothing. I, I loved her. No, like I, I love that she's an eclectic actress. Like that, you can see her in everything from a Kevin Smith film to a musical to a gritty action film. Like, all of those, all of those are true, uh, and it's given her a longevity that some of those other actresses that you've named don't. Like Jennifer Lopez put out a movie on Peacock that's not what was irrelevant from the second it hit trailers. Like nobody cares. It was so. It was it was bad too, and I'm a guy. I love a good rom com, and it it was bad, man. It really yeah, was. I, it does not look good. Um, with due, all due respect. All right, we're gonna shift gears. We're gonna move on to the next trailer because we could talk on this forever. But Tony's just gonna say it was Star Wars. So let's just get it out of the way. But Disney Plus did drop its new its first sort of official trailer. They called it a teaser. It was like two plus minutes long 
for the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, uh, which is Ewan McGregor abounded. Um, Inquisitors showed up. There's mystical music in the background. We're in the desert. Young Luke Skywalker pretended to drive a speeder ship, looking an awful lot like Anakin with the goggles and the and the look. Tony, you're gonna it's Star Wars, so it's just gonna be great. Like we should just accept that it's gonna be great. I'm gonna help you all today. <laughs> and, He's not gonna push back. And, no, no, I'm gonna help you all today, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say this, and then we can you can move on from me in this topic. I'm excited for more Star Wars, and I actually Ian McGregor as as Obi is, is one of my favorite character and roles in the whole Star Wars thing. So I'm excited for more of it. Hey, Sam Mitchell. Obi-Wan and Ewan McGregor are the bomb, dude. This is like my favorite character in Star Wars is specifically Ewan McGregor's Obi-Wan. Um, I, I, again, I, the only, if I had to bitch about one thing, I wish the series was just called Kenobi or Obi-Wan. I don't need the whole goddamn name, but that's just me. Like, <laughs> That, that's a, I'm gonna give a little bit yeah. of whiny whininess, but that's about it. I am ready for it. I'm ready to see. I know like uh, Kumail Nagiani is also gonna be in it as well, who I absolutely love. So this is yes. gonna be uh, a romp, hopefully. Man, nobody's let me pull the bear. Preach, Platt. You got any thoughts on the Obi Wan Kenobi trailer? Trailer. I don't care, Pat. I, I really you. don't. No, <laughs> I don't give a shit. I mean, to be honest, I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan outside of the initial three movies. I mean, from a revenue standpoint and an entertainment standpoint and a trying to make money standpoint, it's absolutely brilliant because you have a built-in fan base and now you're just expanding that world and you know that people are going to tune in because they're invested into this Star Wars universe. But as a standalone show, it kind of goes back to the question that you asked for the previous topic, Patrick. Have we jumped the shark? And yes, yes, we have. I don't give a shit. I'm not going to watch this. I don't care. Okay. So here, here's the thing. I'm, I am looking forward to this series. Uh, I was looking, I, honestly, and I was looking forward to this series more than I was looking forward to the Book of Boba Fett series. And then as much as, you know, like, and, like, and I found the book of Boba Fett to be disappointed beyond even my low expectations. And that's a whole other show there. The thing that I think is to me has been very interesting and very challenging for folks that aren't star Wars fans outside of like the movies is the use of so much from its animated extended universe that you've got to explain. And in this one, I don't know how many people I've had to explain what a fucking Inquisitor is. I, that, that, <laughs> like, I've so many people have seen this trailer and been like, what's up with all these, like, dudes, people with red lightsabers, like, running around chasing, chasing Jedi? And I was like, basically the secret police trying to hunt down the remaining Jedi and, and destroy them. Like, that's their job. And if you ever go back and watch Star Wars Rebels, uh, I do believe they get introduced in the Clone Wars. Uh, at the in the tail end of the last season, they're 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 compelling characters. They're menacing characters. They're serious Darth Vader by vibes, but they're basically the secret police of Darth Vader and the Emperor to hunt down Jedi. And it appears by look of this trailer that Obi Wan is 
simultaneously trying to keep Luke and his secret secret, while also at the same time remaining hidden from the Inquisitors. As I seem to have run out the the row, Aesop's changing gear. Platt like walked out. I, I think I upset everyone. Tony's probably getting another beverage. Uh, so I'm interested to see what they do and how they tell that story because I thought that the Inquisitor element was a very compelling thing from animated series. But if they do... And actually, and now that I think about it, it gives them an opportunity to use Cad Bane again because if you look at the timeline, this happens after after these these events. So Cad Bane may show up again. I don't know if he is or isn't. Uh, but there's there's a lot of elements from animated series that, that could come into play here that I think could be very interesting and useful. Just, I'm here with you, Patrick. I no, think I it could be a great way time. to use kind of like the like the what if thing where we almost right. think something comes to light, you know, in, in one of these Marvel movies coming up. Like, why can't we borrow from what is excellent animated series as far as the Star Wars world is concerned? Right. And, and I think it's less of a what if and, is, and more of a this like the question has always is always with like say trilogies or series what happened in between how did we get from here to there and then sometimes is that necessary like do we need did we need the prequels i mean yes they were wildly popular and made a ton of money i, I will argue they're not great films but a generation loves them uh, but you know people want to know what happened before luke learns about obi-wan like we don't well like, there's you know there's 17 years 16 they? years they do. do they, this though? is, I mean, this is the the you problem no, with Star Wars. I mean, we we I think we talked about it last week, even. Yeah, a little bit. Star Wars always has to touch upon the mystery, which I don't mind in this sense because Obi Wan is such a strong character. Um, but you know, the minute that we start exploring, you know, stuff that doesn't need uh, any sort of explanation. You know, then it then it starts to derail, and Star Wars kind of collapses in on itself. And I think you're looking why. at it the wrong way. Then why why can't it be? Why can't you just be making a puzzle? Why can't you have just got the most important pieces first, because and then you got to build out inside it, build into it? That's, because that's, that's not, not how life works. It's almost exactly. That's it's not fucking life. It's a goddamn fictional story for fuck's yeah, sake. Yeah, but the, the problem is the ones the that's the why best it's all stories. the same fucking thing. It's wrestling. Hey, it's Vince hey, McMahon. Hey, it's Saturday Night exactly. Live. Exactly. It's, it's wrestling. Same. You don't need to know everything in wrestling. Young well, let Mark. Let me tell you something, brother. Exactly. Yeah, it's I, not about I, that. Yeah. It's they have I, a built-in audience with and a capital, fan base that with are a capital invested. fucking M. By the way, with a capital fucking M. They have exactly the. Well, I hoped here. They yes. have a built-in audience that is invested in this storyline and in this universe, and it's another way to bleed the marks dry, just like yes. professional wrestling. So, Nobody yes. gives a shit. Let, let shout me... out to Carl Sagan, by the way. I got to still let... Carl Sagan in R.I.P. <laughs> shout out to Carl shout Sagan. Shout out to Steve Allen. No, me... no, no, no. Where I'm going is, because you could find this clip on where, YouTube. Where, I where think you're going is Cabbage you're going to let show. Babin talk. That's what you're going to do. Uh <laughs> So here's my thing about Star Wars, and it has been my argument about Star Wars forever. The reason why people like The Mandalorian so much is because the Skywalkers aren't really involved in The Mandalorian. Skywalkers Well, here's the thing. Is I really do believe Star Wars has a Skywalker problem. Like, that's 
and it's it's what? Oh, you getting texts? Yeah, sorry. I was going to say Star Wars has a Skywalker problem like WWE has a John Cena and The Rock problem. No, I, I, no I, it's, I it's not the same. Non George Lucas problem. Well, because no, the movies George that Lucas, George Lucas wasn't had zealots with, they, they've, they've been George, mid. George Lucas fucked up his legacy with going back and tinkering with his original trilogy. And adding shit that didn't need to be added. And I'm sorry, I get that people love the original trilogy, but those prequels are not good films. And and I know it's my opinion. The thing is, is that the the whole Star Wars universe, and and this is the other thing is, you could have ended the Skywalker saga at Return of the Jedi, and with these next and with those next three films, gone anywhere else. But. The people that are writing these stories feel like they have to stick with this Skywalker family and this lineage, even with Ray, who adopts the name Skywalker at the end of the show. And when you look at everything that is connected to Star Wars, and part of the reason why I would argue Rebels is so good is that it is a universe that's built within the framework that was created by Lucas but not with these characters as this central plot point. You never see Luke Skywalker in Star Wars Rebels. You occasionally see R2-D2. You occasionally see C-3PO. You once or twice run into... Well, and it's because R2-D2 is the most powerful character in the Star Wars universe, so you have to have him in there. But you you just... you, You don't need that one element to tell a good Star Wars story because there is a framework that is there and a universe that exists that can include the Force, can include bounty hunters, can include everything else. And that's why Mando works so well. At least it's the reason why Rogue One works so well. Yes. Rogue One is such a strong story. It's my favorite Star Wars movie. And I didn't think anything was going to top uh, you know, part of the original trilogy. Rogue One is so strong, and the only thing that you get is Darth Vader at the end, right? You get maybe, okay, unless you want to count Mon Mothma, like, fuck her. But really, like, that is it. You get nothing else of Star Wars uh, original lore, right? It's a new story. You get creepy plastic Princess Leia face. You you need Luke Scott. You need a Skywalker presence in this universe because Luke Skywalker is the Jesus Christ of this universe. So it's like the Old Testament. Yeah, some shit that happened and there were floods and shit, but shit don't really get popping in the Bible till the New Testament and Jesus step on the scene. Like that's basically the role that the Skywalkers play in this universe. So you need a Skywalker element. In Star Wars, it just is what it is. Whether good or bad, right or wrong, it is what it is. You're wrong. Make sure you tune into PC and Plaid every Thursday morning on the Chairshot Radio Network. Thank you, but no, going back to shout out to Carl Sagan, because you can find this clip on YouTube. I think he was on the Dick Cavett show, and Dick Cavett was asking him his thoughts on Star Wars. And this was in the 70s. And he said, it's in the future, and it's in space, and it's nothing but white people. So you're telling me it's just all white people? Fuck you, Patrick. I see what you're doing back there. It's just all a bunch of white folks in the, in the future and in space. Because let me tell y'all something. If y'all think y'all going to space without us, you got another thing coming, Jack. <laughs> we, we'll There's figure only, out a hold way. Hold on, hold on. Stop. Slow your roll. There's only one black person in space. That's Lando. So you're, you're sorry. <laughs> exactly. His, and and his, Finn. 
and Finn, his, who, who was literally a, a slave, maybe an indentured servant, right. if his, we want to be kind. Lando's <laughs> ticket was punched, and then he kind of hit on what we think is his daughter, so that was a little weird. Anyway, <laughs> let's transition into our last trailer as we're about 30 minutes into this off-the-rails edition of The Bandwagon. The Boys Season 3 trailer has dropped. Mm. June is going to be a busy month. We got us some... We, we got us uh, some blood and guts, exploding heads. We got we got the butcher with some laser eyes and some powers. Can I ask my first question though? Where did like we didn't cover this back when this made the news a, a week or so ago, and I can't remember the guy's name. But the guy who played Homelander, Anthony he, he just, Star something. Thank you, thank you. He got in some court, in some legal trouble. He's got to go to jail. What's going on there? Does anybody? I didn't read the whole story, but like, what happened? Does anybody know? He, it sounded like he was being Homelander. He got drunk and belligerent. Oh, shit, that, no that, that's what it sounded like to me. Like he was okay. being Homelander, basically, right? <laughs> Living the gimmick. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> hey, so, hey, Flair, your name's Rich. <laughs> oh man, it's Flair. So, yeah, so how long is what? What was he? He was sitting to what, like a year in jail or something like that. Like I'm, I'm, I'm honestly he was asking. to like a year in jail, but it got suspended if he does some community service and pays oh, so a fine and shit says, like that. So he's like not my, actually like going to bad. spend. He's yeah, he spent like two or three days in jail overseas, but he's not going to actually have to do the jail time if he adheres to the, uh, you know, the conditions of the uh, the PCs, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. But yeah, it sounded like he went full gimmick. Honestly, he got drunk oh. and belligerent and was homelandering motherfuckers. All right. Well. So that that um, that at least reassures me that if this show keeps going or like when the show keeps going, he'll still be around. Um, thoughts on the trailer? There was a lot to take in in this trailer. Aesop. I mean, clearly first. we got. Oh, Tony, oh go okay, go ahead, Ace. Jump in there. Oh yeah, dude. J- Jensen Ackles coming in with Soldier Boy. Dude. That's the the big piece of it all, right? And right. Uh, I I will admit I do need to watch like the last. I think it's like two episodes of season two because I I fell off of that and then I kind of uh, forgot to get back on it. And then I got all my love kind of sparked back for it once uh, Diabolical came out. But um, I'm ready for it. I've enjoyed the boys. I've enjoyed what Amazon has done with the the series itself. And I think we are going to have a lot more fun, a lot more blood and guts and cursing. What um what more could you ask for? That is an excellent, excellent point. Tony, I'm sorry, I cut you off. You kind of froze a little bit on my screen, so I couldn't see that you were paying attention. Go ahead. June's gonna be great. We got this in Umbrella Academy, so I don't know, that might <laughs> that's gonna be the show. It's in gonna June. be yeah, it's <laughs> it's like my worst nightmare of, of release dates, because you all know how I feel about covering two shows on an episode, but <laughs> it, it is what it is. Um, yeah, I'm really, I, I don't know that I can really say enough about how, except what, um, what's up with A-Train? That was one of the things that I noticed, like something different with A-Train looks like, uh, looks like he's a good guy, turning super good guy, maybe, maybe like he's, um, cause he was the one that that cult sort of put their, put themselves behind, um, uh, at the end of that season, uh, as they dumped, um, oh, fish boy, whatever his name was. Aqualad, the deep, I don't know. the deep, that's <laughs> the, deep, the deep, the deep, the deep, the deep, the deep, the poor. He's like the sad sack 
Like, they've almost made him a sympathetic figure uh, to this point because of how shitty his life is. Platt, what about you? Um, you all in? You back? You coming with us on the boys? I'm back. I'm all in. I'm coming with y'all. Yeah, and, you know, there's a, some other shit happening in June as well that is going to, uh, you know, affect my life forever, but that's neither here nor there. But Here's the thing. is King This is the time Prince to watch him with, this, with him in the Shut same up, room. Tony. This, this is like a change. Shut up, Tony. Wilson. The fourth. This, this, this is the time when you can watch it and not feel guilty about him being in the same room, man. That's all I'm saying. Touche, touche. But let Three me ask you this. Eternity leave. Come on. You got all that time to binge. Boom. Damn. Touche. Touche. <laughs> but uh, do you guys think that um, that HBO Max went to James Gunn and said, watch the boys. We want that. And then that's how no, Peacemaker came to be? No, not even close. Because if you go watch Slither, you can see where James Gunn came from. James Gunn was doing this for literally a decade before Decades. anything like this came along. James, J- J- James back... Gunn was Slither? You talking about the Sharon Stone movie? That was him? No, no, no. That's Sliver. Slither is an alien invasion, grotesque body humor horror film. Nathan that was Fillion. On uh, um, was it Elizabeth, Elizabeth Banks? Banks. Uh, Aesop, Rook, Mitchell, Michael Rooker number, in that too. So basically, Sam Raimi is his father in the game. Is what you're telling Kinda, me? Kinda, yeah. Like, because this this, this is Sam Raimi's lane. You know what I mean with the Evil Deads? Well, yeah, it's definitely well, there's definitely an influence there. Sam Raimi's more horror. He does it with comedy though. James right. Gunn loves yeah, his comedy. Gunn, body horror stuff and yes, it's, it's perfect so. for him the evil dads weren't funny though they didn't have humorous elements the evil so here's the funny thing about the evil dad and you can even ask sam, sam Raimi or bruce campbell this those first yeah, two movies him. i i have i've actually met bruce campbell and like chatted with him um he's a really cool nice. dude by the way um but extended offer to him and when you get him on here i want to be on here because i sure, think he's awesome when he, when he so ignores please. my phone calls um he, he never calls back, guys. I don't know what happened. Um, anyway, they, they, work talk on about it. It, they talk about it a lot that um, Evil Dead, like the, the Evil Dead was designed to be a straight up like horror film. Like it really was. Evil Dead 2 was, well, I don't want to say it was, they, they leaned into what was unintentionally funny in Evil Dead 1 and basically remade Evil Dead with Evil Dead 2 with sort of that comedy horror element and that is when sam raimi grew into sort of the comedy horror elements that he is known for I, there everything builds upon itself romero influenced raimi who clearly had some level of influence on james gunn like you can just see how the connective tissue works there and yeah i i think that it's absolutely been part of james gunn's work uh, i think it's it's influenced the show we're talking about the boys like and it's looking as aesthetic in the way that it approached like the boys there's an argument that that's a horror show like and just in terms of its grotesqueness and how horrible the people are so um yeah i'm ready for the boys i am yes i'm begrudgingly acknowledging that in the month of june we're probably going to be covering two shows simultaneously it's going to make my head hurt <laughs> uh, but we'll do it let, let me say this just real quick, man, because you talk about the boys technically being a horror show. And I can agree on that, but there's so many elements that go into that show, which was what we're about to get into, which is the crux of this episode. This is why this alt project was so difficult for me, because it, you know, the, the things started oh, yeah. to flip somewhere. So it, the, the lines started to get blurred 
So what is and what is not an action film? The the lines start to get a little blurry in the 2000s because I mean you, you know have. the 70s you know right. but before the 70s we had Steve McQueen, John Wayne, yada yada yada, black exploitation, whatever whatever. The 70s we had Clint Eastwood, fucking uh Charles Bronson, and I'm sure there's some other uh, taxi driver and there's some others I'm not forgetting. But then in the 80s it's Schwarzenegger and um and and Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> 90s, we kind of get into Bruce Willis, uh, John Claude Van Damme, Little Steven Seagal, some Wesley Snipes. But then when we get to these 2000s, man, yeah, the lines kind of get blurred, as in what is and what is not an action film. So you really should go back and listen to last week's episode of Bandwagon Nerds, where Tony yelled at David Ungar and myself <laughs> for putting Gladiator on our drama list and was like, it's an action film! Um... Because that, that is a legitimate thing. By the way, anybody else ever notice that when Christopher Platt says real quick, it's never real quick? Like, it's just, it's just never real quick. Ah, yeah. ah, ah. That, that, that's the preacher shit. Like, when the preacher goes, I'm not going to be in front of you very long. And then he proceeds to talk for 45 minutes. But it takes you off hands. Yeah, that's that preacher man shit. Yeah. Right, right. No, Have you ever heard of Thanks, Carl Sagan. Platt, uh, <laughs> pro wrestling teams plug? Real quick, real quick. Um... No, but you you are right. I do think that um, things things have kind of. I don't know that things never were were ever clear cut. Like there's always an argument. Like if you go back and look through the history of film, like what's The Godfather? Is The Godfather a drama? Is it, you know, is it a? I don't know. Like there's all kinds of things. There's yes. There's there's. But yes. is it also that also has action? Does it also has murder? Like I don't know. Is Star um, Wars a romance? Yeah. Okay, well, between Luke just, and Leia, that's we we're getting a little. You're weird trying. Here, so. Are you trying to like lose more time here? You can't ask that kind of question in this audience. <laughs> so anyway, the the point is valid. The Boys season three comes out in June. We're going to be talking about it and the Umbrella Academy. Come June, thank God I'm on vacation for at least two of those weeks and don't have to <laughs> to endure whoever fills in for me and poor Dave when he runs that show. We're going to take our first real commercial break. And when we come back, we are going to kick off The Op Project Part 6 with our action films. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of the ChairShot.com. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to AngryLemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. All right, everyone. Welcome back. Gentlemen, real quick, would you mind uh, indulging me for a second? Because I enjoyed doing this so much last week that I kind of want to play it again. And it has nothing to do with the art project. And you can say yes, you can say no. It doesn't really matter because I'm about to play it anyway. I'm just sitting here.
hold on. I don't want anybody to say shit about me. If we're talking about you want to trim some some fat plat or pat, I mean, (laughs) I'm okay with it. I was thinking about this the other day before we get to the off project. This might be my favorite score since Black Panther. In terms of like movies, Uh, I just so 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 well done, and I know Platt was basically the Patrick O'Dowd of reviewing the Batman, uh, which you know I appreciate somebody out there being like it was okay, it was fine. Uh, cause, cause I was, I was definitely not in that camp. Um, but going into action films and this is a movie that was kind of an action film, but not, let's talk about the op project action films. Platt, you talked about having a tough time making this list. We usually do this before we go into our list. Yeah, this was very difficult for me, man. Okay, real quick. This was very difficult for me, man. Like, I I have a movies that didn't make the cut. You could take the movies that did not make my cut and create your own top ten action films of the arts, and it would be a respected list of action films. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. I, I think that that's been true for a lot. I think the only list where I haven't had a big honorable mention was sports films. Honestly, like, sports films yeah. are just... There's just not there wasn't much there for me. I think I struggled to, to find ones that I'm like, yeah, this one's quality. But um, my my final like my there's from the big board. I think I had 17 that I pulled off the big board to then try to make decisions on, and a couple of them kind of like what we've done in previous episodes. I'm like, I think somebody else will have this on their list, so I'm gonna pull it off of mine so that it doesn't, you know, jack that up. So. Uh, I do have Dave's list. I will share that at the end of the show. Um, there's at least one. Funny. There's at least one selection on his list that uh, I think is a terrible film that I used to love, but now <laughs> in retrospect, I'm like, this movie's awful, and it won't be hard for anybody to figure out which one it is when I go over his list. Uh, Platt, I, I I started out with 35 films. I broke it down to 20, got it down to 12, and then it went back up to 13. Before you know, before I got to the top right. ten, like and, and I, 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 I literally, this was a labor of love, but I, I put, I tried to put a lot of thought into this, man, and it was, it was a lot more labor intensive than I anticipated it being. Actually, now have you? you I have no idea uh, what Patrick and I had to go through this weekend. Yeah, listen to the five by five as we as we tried to narrow down our five greatest Saturday Night Live sketches of all time, and the number of shout outs we gave to, to sketches we left off because it's just so difficult like was the falconer on that no well <laughs> what up with that the thing, another make list like listen you could sit here for five hours right. about okay. uh, the ones that didn't make it like, i mean and that's the power of saturday night live so listen right so mad anyway. mad tv sketches are next all right we're, uh, whatever down by the river in a van down by the river we, we, we we've talked about chris farley at length uh um, church lady Church Lady, Dana we Carvey, Church up, Lady. But we talked about Dana Carvey. Like it's, it, you can do this all day. Uh, I'll even say this: this will, this will upset folks, I'm sure. I left Eddie Murphy off my list of top fives, and there's so many things you could have put on Eddie Mur- with, with Eddie Murphy that you can do. But that has nothing to do with action films from 2000 <laughs> to 2009, which is where we're going to go next. Um, Platt, I, I, honest to God, can't remember. Have you ever sat in and done a project with us? Like, have you done this? Yes. So you know the you know yes, the system. Yeah, so like, I I know how it goes. Yes, if you want to right. explain this to the audience again, but I'm yeah, I'm familiar. Will. Yeah, so I know how it goes. Have, 
so the order this week, I, I um, subbed you in. You're going to be second, so it'll go myself, you, Tani, then Aesop. That'll be the order. We do it rotisserie style, so when we get to Aesop, he'll go twice before we bounce it back down the list. Uh, if somebody hears a selection that's higher on their list, they raise their hand so that we can see it in the camera. We cover that as one selection at its highest point in whoever's list it is. And yeah, we'll... Uh, that that's what we're gonna do, and I'm gonna dive right in with my number ten, and see uh, this this project has been I think the most times I've had people raise their hands on me than than any other project I've ever done. And it's probably Aesop's fault more than anybody because like we have some similar tastes. I love it. My number ten is the Zack Snyder flick, uh, which is probably a surprise to you all. It's also a controversial. Zack Snyder flick because some people love it other people hate it I absolutely love it it's the only Zack Snyder film that I can say I unequivocally <laughs> like and forgive that other people hate it's very polarizing and that's 2009's The Watchmen uh, I actually I, and even then I was hard pressed to put it as an action film because there's a lot of exposition between Zack Snyder's slow motion action bits yet it's still decidedly like tons of action within this film even though like the climax of the movie has next to no action other than Rorschach getting blown up um I love the graphic novel I strongly encourage people to read the graphic novel I understand why people are so passionate about it I think people malign the movie unfairly I think that honestly it's done about as well as you could do to put that movie to film and I I genuinely enjoyed it and appreciated it. And the things that drive me nuts about Zack Snyder when he does like frenetic action stuff, like I hate that just about every action sequence he does goes slow motion every, all the time. Like that is, he loves that shit. Um, it works in The Watchmen because of the nature of the characters and what they're trying to do. Um, hyper violence, hyper sexuality, hyper just everything that works in the Watchmen because that is what the comic was. And you know, he even, in my opinion, fixed the climax of the alien thing by putting it on Dr. Manhattan instead of aliens. And yeah, sort of changed what the comic did, but I thought he did it in a good way. And so I actually think it's a, an underrated work of his. It's my loan. This is a good Zack Snyder movie, the Watchmen. Yes. They, they actually follow the reference which is always my favorite thing. I love it when you go off of the source material. And like you said, Patrick, the way that they do it, I love The Watchmen. I don't find it to be bad at all. And I think it does get a lot of unnecessary vitriol hate. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, any thoughts, that's interesting. Yep. No, it, my bad, Pat. It's just interesting to me, man, because I'm uh, of all the Zack Snyder films, I'm pretty sure that 300 is going to be on somebody's list here. Um, it's not on mine just because I had to make a lot of tough cuts, but it, it's interesting that that's the Zack Snyder flick that you that you picked as opposed to 300. Yeah, and um, it is on it, it's on Dave's list, and as as I mentioned, um, I don't like that movie. All right. Mr. Platt, it's to you for your number 10, sir. 
So for number 10, I went with The Fast and the Furious. Is that on anybody else's list? Okay, it's on two lists, so we'll keep it moving like an escalator. Right on into Tani and his number 10. My number 10 is the 2003 American adaptation of the 1969 British film, The Italian Job. All right. Keep going. Classic. Keep going. Uh, Directed by F. Gary Gray, Mark Wahlberg, Shalice Theron, Edward Norton, Jason Statham, Seth Green, Most Def, Donald Sutherland. Like, they put together a squad here for this movie. And there's tons of great driving sequences. Basically... Uh, a group of thieves come. It's it's like an Ocean's Eleven kind of thing, you know, if you're not familiar with the Italian job story. Uh, but it's really well done. Tons of great driving sequences is where I was about to go into with smaller cars. Uh, uh, it's interesting the tight spaces they fit into. The acting's nice, but the action's better. And I think Aesop kind of, uh, you know, described how this action list kind of thing should go is that, you know, the action should come first, and if there's acting along with it that's excellent, that's why you're at the top of the list. But I love this movie. I, I It's a rewatchable movie just because of the the way they shoot the action sequences is, is excellent. Yeah, I it, the European-style action movie was really big in the early 2000s, and I'm sure that there's going to be others that are on for the mm-hmm. list higher up. Like, I can't imagine that they're not. Um, and it, it really was. There, there's so many that you could really put on there. Italian Job is absolutely one that was under consideration that I just didn't have room for. Uh, Aesop. Uh, you know, you're talking about lots of great driving. That's because Jason Statham only does films with driving. Uh, you got uh, Italian Job, you got Crank, and you have my number Crank. 10. My number 10 pick, which is The Transporter. I love the transporter that I stole this description of the film from a critic years ago, but uh, the transporter is a pure popcorn flick, Uh, long action sequences that are completely over the top and ridiculous. You smile and laugh as you see Jason Statham using his smoldering charisma to show off the type of action you'd continue to see from him for years to come. This was my first experience of seeing Statham on screen, and it made me love his cheekiness from the very start. Is, I had the so, transporter, too. I, I wanted to put it on there, and I just couldn't, but I absolutely love this movie, so I'm glad that somebody put it on their list. Aesop, is, are you to Jason Statham the way <sighs> Dave is to Henry Cavill? I Is think so. He described that? him as right. smoldering and cheeky. Yeah, I'm just saying, man. Wow. Or, or the way, those... or the way I am with Jonathan Majors. Margot Kidder was <laughs> oh. the way Margo, I am Margo. with Jonathan Majors. The I way he is Jonathan to Majors Alan Thick. Stock. Maybe. Yeah. I no. <laughs> no, I think it's, All right. I think it's quite uh, quite documented on uh, uh, social media. Uh, the way I am to Mandy Rose. There you go. Statham is your Henry Cavill. That's been decided. It is. I think Statham. of me some Jason Nerd Statham. All uh, right, my number nine. Uh, I, I, I have a feeling that uh, it's probably going to be higher, but it is the Fast and the Furious. Yep, that's what I figured. Tony. Not much. Not much. My number nine is Transformers. 
the original with uh, Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was excellent. I thought it was just there's there's tons of action in that movie and introduces a whole new set of people to the story of Transformers. I mean, the success of the franchise cannot be denied whatsoever. The cast didn't, in, you know, have a young Shia LaBeouf, uh, Josh, Josh, Josh Duhamel. Uh, Megan Fox, Tyrese Gibson before he shit all over uh, Dr. Dre, Anthony Anderson's in there, John Turturro, who we've talked about at length, and John Voight. So, I mean, shout out to Bernie Mac as well. It's just a big spectacle of, of you know, basically brand new entertainment. Yeah, that's that's Michael Bay at his most Michael Bay. Uh, exactly. Thing, and, and the first one, I actually agree. I agree with you quite a bit. I enjoy uh, the first Transformers movie in that in that franchise. When it turned into a bunch of robot dick jokes and peeing on things, and like that got annoying to to the nth degree. But the first one is a lot of fun. I enjoyed it um, quite a bit. Michael Bay is what Zack Snyder should be doing, but he wants to try <laughs> to add depth and nuance to his movies, and, and, and it just doesn't motion work. Action sequences. Just 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 All be shoot them up, bang bang explosions. Just do that, okay? That's your lane, sir. Just All do right. that. That's absolutely right. Now give us your number nine shoot 'em up bang bang explosions movie. Shout out to Liam Neeson and his soy sauce dyed hair. I'm going taken. Christopher Platt playing the role of Patrick O'Dowd today, getting skipped <laughs> left and right with high ranked movies. I guarantee this next movie is on nobody's list because I, I, you're giving me a look. So. In the age of epics, back when Lord of the Rings was huge and folks were trying to cash in on different flicks that were based on works of literature, the movie Troy came out. And I had my doubts <laughs> about Brad Pitt as a Greek. And they were well-founded. However, I love Troy. And much like I talk about with the Watchmen. Somebody took the Iliad by Homer and probably did about as good a representation of that epic that you could. Orlando Bloom plays Paris, who kidnaps Helen of Troy. And it's such a contrast to his character from Lord of the Rings, where he was Legolas, who could do everything. And in, in this, you know, Paris is a big wuss who sucks at everything, except for archery, which so it makes sense because, you know, Orlando Bloom. Um, but the uh, Brian Cox, friend of the program from last week, Brian Cox plays <laughs> King Agamemnon and is just terrific. Brendan Gleeson plays Menelaus, um, and Peter O'Toole is King Priam of Troy in one of his last you know roles in this big budget film. Um, but for me, Eric Bana plays Hector. And is kind of the the low key him and Achilles, who's who's who Brad Pitt plays. The two of them are the juxtaposing warriors within the Greek and Trojan army. And the movie centers around all these battles as the Greeks try to take over Troy, which is where the action is. A lot of a lot of I thought fun battle set pieces steeped in Greek tradition and mythology because it is a Greek myth. The but the 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 climactic battle between Hector and Achilles is a very well choreographed swordplay fight 
that ends really, really well. And Eric Bana as the the like the good son, the dutiful soldier for his father. Uh, I love it. I, I watched it. I actually watched it in Gladiator last night, just kind of back to back because we've been on this project and the movies were in my mind. Uh, and so I just really wanted to see it. Rose Byrne also uh, has a role in there as well. She plays a, a love interest for Achilles. I, I think it's low, I think it's an underrated movie. I think it's quite good. Uh, has a hell of a cast. Sean Bean plays Odysseus um, in there as well. And, and I love it. So Troy was my number nine. Listen, to Eric Bana, he makes this movie. Without him, this is just another Brad Pitt movie. But yep. with him, like you said, it's compelling. And he is the absolute, without a doubt, there's good performances in, in here. There's a bunch of them. But without a doubt, this is maybe his best performance and the movie's best performance, no question. Thank you. All right. To my number eight. Everybody who's ever been on this show with me or heard me talk knows that I love Bruce Lee, knows that I love Jackie Chan, knows that I love Jet Li. Tony Jaa changed the way I watched fight scenes. And in 2003, a movie came out called Ong Bak, Muay Thai Warrior. Story is very, very simple. Tony Jaa is a member of a village who has this Buddha that is this totem of the village. It is stolen. He tries to get it back. And the action sequences with very little stuntman work, because that's not how you do it, it'll blow you away. He does things that you just can't imagine. And it's the same, it's just, it was like the next level of progression in amazing Asian action films centering around like Kung Fu and Muay Thai fighting. If you've never seen this film, there's no real tough story to get involved, but he does shit you just you'll you'll never see again. He's amazing. It's awesome. And I thank my coworker Corey who was like, "Dude, you have to see this movie." That's my that's my number 8. It's a great selection. Angbach is uh and you know what? They even did a pretty good job with their sequels too, as yeah. well. It just showcasing the amount of talent uh, in the action uh, choreography world, right? right. And, and just is one of those flicks, like uh, PC had mentioned that I said before. Like you, you watch that movie for the action. You don't watch it for anything else. Exactly. And if you came. If you came to watch an action movie uh, or a movie like a kung fu movie for the story, it's not an action film. And uh, that Ong Bak is crazy good. Mr. Platt, you're number eight. Will you get to talk about your movie this time? We'll see, won't we? My number eight, probably not. My number eight is Kill Bill. And I don't differentiate by <laughs> one two. It's the same movie. That's higher yeah. on everybody's list. Stop like talking. Everybody. Stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This happened to Patrick not too long ago. He got it through was... like the first three just not being able to say shit. Tony. You're number eight. You're gonna have to wait. You have to wait till the end for that one. Uh my number eight. Uh, the Fast and the Furious, so I'm not that far ahead of you, Aesop. 
Yeah, I, I just think it's. Can we talk about it now? Yeah, it's yes. the highest. Go ahead, Platt. I want you to go ahead. No, and no, no, no. Go ahead, Tony. You brought it up, and it's your category. So, yeah, please. No, I, I want you to go ahead and do it. Okay, so the I, I, I felt compelled. I don't even think this is the best Fast and Furious movie. I don't even think it's my favorite Fast and Furious movie, but because of the it's historical. It's an the series. Exactly. It's an because the of the series. Yes. Yeah, that's where I'm historical, at. I got a couple yeah. of them. Yeah, the historical context of this movie. Now it's a multi-billion-dollar franchise. I felt like it had to be represented on this list, and I, I I know that the Fast franchise is kind of polarizing, but I feel like it's the most self-aware movie franchise in the world. Like they they don't try to have a story, they don't try to have a message, they don't try to bombard you with any bullshit. It's just hot girls, fast cars, nope. explosions, and family shoot 'em up, bang bang, and I'm family. here for it. Yeah, my my I'm here favorite, for my favorite storyline from this movie and its and its series is the fact that Ja Rule is a dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody He's knows ground, that story. Grounded, grounded in reality, right there. Nobody yes. knows that story. No, wasn't he, he supposed down. to be the Tyrese Gibson character in part two, no. and then he, he turns was, up in Tokyo Drift for a hot second. Yeah, because he turned it down, and like I thought, Ludacris came in and played his part that he was supposed to have. Mm. Okay, fair enough. But yeah. yeah, I love these movies. They're they're literally that's what action is all about. If you go back to the Commandos and Rambo's and shit, like this is what action is all about. And they're just really fun, as O'Dowd alluded to earlier. Popcorn movies, or was that Aesop? Was you the one that, that threw the popcorn movie reference out? Yeah, that was, that was me. Uh, this it's, movie. Oh, go ahead. It's the segue. It's the segue to helicopters flying through train tunnels. <laughs> I um, I think my uh, Mrs. O'Dowd put it best to me when I when I watched it for the first time, and she was like, "So what's the big deal about these?" So I described to her the plot of the original. She's like, "So it's Point Break with cars." Yeah, it's like, just yeah, it's a it's perfect man movie. Like is, you was, know, but like your your testosterone man. levels go through the roof while you're yeah. watching this movie, man. Like, the <laughs> dude, this movie it kicked ain't off. The cave, you know, it kicked off the undying franchise of the 2000s, right? Dude, you want to as... be like Dom and Brian speeding through the streets. You you see the I stapled wanted, uh... Nissan skylines, and you instantly want one yourself. This is a guilty pleasure movie. Great wanted, stunts, um... cooler cars. You get to your badass film. I wanted Jordana the Brewster on my lap. Academy. That's really all I wanted. She's fine. It's all about family, O'Dowd. It's all about family. All right. That's family me family. now, right? Yeah, it's family still you. For... Yep. All right. It's uh, number eight is 300. I don't know if uh, someone else it was, had it, it higher. It was higher that. on Dave's list. And Dave's not here, so you get to go. Good. Uh, based on the Frank Miller comic, uh, which itself is a very overdramatic telling of the real-life battle of Thermopylae, 300 is just a pure action, blood, and boobs. It's a spectacle. Gerard Butler is such a badass as Leonidas, and the cool visual art style of the film makes for a even cooler movie. The environment itself is lush yet depressing at the same time, which is a great representation of the film story itself, right? Um, I, I like 300. I like the cinematic effects of it. And again, you, you don't watch it for anything more than the 
the cool visuals. I I had 300 in my list as I was dwindling stuff down. Like, it didn't make my top 10, but I understand why it made people's top 10. It, it's an awesome movie. I'm, I'm kind of picking nits here. The only reason it didn't make my top 10 is because of the, the racist overtones of the movie, because what the fuck you think the Persians look like in real life. But but as, but just as a shoot 'em up bang bang action movie, oh yeah, it's phenomenal, and it, and I mean it it's it it gave birth to Gerard Butler. Like this is what put him on the map, you know. Well, I don't know about that. Phantom of the Opera did that. Um, okay, cool. <laughs> I uh, this is the movie that I shared that uh, when it was released, I loved it, and since it's been released, and I've every time I watch this movie, I like it less. And less and less. And when I did it for the nerd review, let's just say East Germany found its original judge, and it was me. <laughs> um, so I, I, uh, I will respectfully end it there in terms of my thoughts on Three Hundred. No, that's fine. And, and again, story-wise, acting—it's not crazy. It's not good. Um, but you get some good action shit to it, and that's all I uh, need. It's it's everything. Uh, no, I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do it. We, we already we already went down a rabbit hole with Star Wars, fucking like we we can't do it. We can't do it. Um, All right, uh, my six. number seven. I have a feeling people are gonna have one of them higher. It's the Bourne trilogy. Yep. Well, it's, you know what? We came, actually, you know what? We came up to an addendum. I think to this kind of rule is if it's the same and you're in the next order, or if it kicks off the next category. You brought it up. Let's talk about it. It's well, also Patrick, my number Patrick six. had it on there, too. So go ahead. Oh, he's got it higher? Sorry. Yeah, that's it, you, PC. It's, it's your turn, Tony. All right. Everybody drink. Tony yeah, well, that's the... No, I didn't. I basically explained that my number seven is the born identity as well, so we'll wait. All and right, well, then everybody drink because I forgot. <laughs> Woo! Moscow God damn it, have mind. a fucking social drink. Uh, drink. Don't mind if it's... My okay, number drink. seven selection Sunday drink. is the Matrix Reloaded. Mm. Nobody. Nobody? Go for, go that's, for me. That's too bad. No. Well, uh, okay, number one, similar to my Fast and Furious take, man. The Matrix was such a pop culture phenomenon. I feel as if it needed to be represented on this list. And, and yes, the storyline got a little convoluted here with part two. But again, it had to be represented. And in, in terms of the the action sequences and and the things that they were able to do, that shit was still groundbreaking over here. Like the only other person that was doing that Matrix shit was John Woo. And I guess you can also say that Ang Lee kind of dabbled in it with Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. But it was still kind of revolutionary to the Western audience, the things that they were doing with this. So I felt like the Matrix had to be represented because it was such a cop pop culture phenomenon it had to be represented here on this list somewhere in the 90s sure well this came out okay. in 2003 sir so or 2002 so, uh, i will say that that highway fight scene is really fucking cool i always enjoy watching that part the rest of the movie is fine it's not great and it's definitely better than revelations or whatever the fuck the, it's called yeah yeah the third, the third one yeah, we, we're um, gonna act like that didn't it happened. So yeah, like, that's that's yeah. uh, Kingdom hey, um, of the Crystal Skull hey guys, right guys, there. Uh, yes, you know, yes. You, real quick, did you guys know that? Did you know that Neo is Jesus? Like, did you know that? Did you know that? You like, don't Neo say, is Jesus, you guys. 
Because, like, they only fucking throw crosses in your face every five seconds <laughs> in the sequels. Are Good you saying he, God. Are you saying he did the job? He did do the job. And, he uh, did the job in Revelations. Yes, he jobbed and, out and, in Revelations. And, and the he architect did. was the booker. Uh, my, my, my favorite thing about Re- Revolutions is actually uh, the MTV Movie Awards parody of Will Ferrell as the architect sitting there yelling big words at people. It's it's really funny. Go look it up on YouTube if you have a chance. It, oh, he was spitting. The, the architect was spitting from the Survival Scrolls, man. That's still one of my top five. Like, I get douche chills when I go back and watch that scene. He was spitting. Dude, he was oh, spitting. Cool. Yeah. All right. We're going to do, do my number seven now because it's my turn. Uh, again, may or may not be on here. Was remade in twenty nine or twenty thirteen, starring Josh Brolin. I'm going with the original. One of the most disturbing twist endings of yes. all disturbing twist yes. endings. Old boy, yes. if yes, you if you love the Daredevil Netflix miniseries and specifically the Daredevil hallway fight scene, which is one of the best choreographed fight scenes from that that Marvel family. It owes it all to old boy and a can, lengthy. Can I, yes. I, I apologize. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Are, are you doing with the original Japanese version or the Spike Lee joint? The original Japanese or the 2003. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cause that the, the Japanese version was much better. And yes, it is very disturbing if you haven't seen it. It's just, it's one of the most disturbing twists you, you ever, and you don't like, you don't see it coming. Um, necessarily, unless somebody has spoiled the movie for you, and that that twist. If, if Dave was here, he would. Right, and, and the twist. Here's the thing about it is like the twist is one of those things you're just like ah ah, and then you're like, but the movie, damn, those action sequences were fucking ridiculous. Like he fights his way through a warehouse, like it's like I don't God knows how many people, and it's just like really close quarters, tight knit thing, and it's desperate and it's frenetic. He's using weapons, he's throwing shit, and he's just it's insane. YouTube that fight if you don't want to watch the movie. YouTube, you, you, all you have to do is type "old boy fight," and that will get you where you need to go. It's it's again, it's like Ong Bak. The fight sequences are why why that movie is is amazing, but and everybody talks about the twist, but the fight scenes are amazing. Check it out. Extended one takes are the coolest thing in action films. Right, they're just the coolest Agreed. damn thing ever. Yeah. yeah, Agreed. So, all right, we're gonna turn the corner. I don't know if my number six will show up higher on a list or not, but we will find out. My number six is Spider Man Two. Higher on Platt's list. All right. So, Platt, to you for your number six. X2. Fell off my list. Really? Nobody had X-Men 2 on here. I didn't put any uh, superhero flicks on there. It wasn't apropos for me. I feel like this movie gets forgotten in the pantheon of great... Oh, it's it's higher on Tunnies? Is that what you're saying? No, no. I think okay. He's yeah, he's not it, it gets it's it gets forgotten in the pantheon of great superhero movies, especially with the adverbs of the or the invention of the MCU. But at the time that it came out, man, there was a lot of argument that this might have been the greatest superhero movie ever, and it still holds up very well. 
Hugh Jackman is absolutely fantastic as Wolverine. I love Sir Ian, Ian McKellen as Magneto, the hero, or excuse me, the villain who isn't really the villain, but he is the villain. You know what I mean? You, you, if, if that makes any sense to anybody. But this is still a really good movie, and it holds up very well. And I, I just wanted it to be represented somewhere on my list. Yeah, this this film on was a part of the seventeen I talked about um, that that I whittled down from, and what it what it came down to this this one fell victim to my personal preference for some of my lower films. Uh, it was one of those that I kind of banked on somebody else having on there because I knew I'd get an opportunity to talk about it. I think that of all the times outside of the uh, of the Wolverine the Logan film, this is probably the best. Hugh Jackman does in portraying Wolverine as the character. Uh, Brian Cox, here he is again, playing William Stryker. Everywhere. He he was yeah he was all over the first decade as as a bad guy. He's always and he plays such a great villain and he does it he's, really really. He's Stryker, well right? Yeah, he's William yeah. Stryker. Um, yeah, yeah. And and just the way that again there, that that turn by Magneto where. You, it's it's one of the more effective turns where the bad guy is the is is helping the good guy and then beautifully when he sees his chance tries to take it on his own and, and kicks off what would then lead to the worst X Men movie ever made. But uh, and, I mean Magneto, he's very much competition there. He's very much like Killmonger in my book. Like he's not necessarily the villain per se oh, no, because not you at can understand. You can understand his um, his motivations. You you, you dig what I'm saying? Oh yeah, yeah, totally. He is he is definitely definitely a sympathetic villain. He is definitely uh, I, can relate to. I love that movie just for the fact that we get a Lady Deathstrike cameo. Yeah. Like that is Lady Deathstrike is such an awesome Cracking character. The knuckles, the, the knuckles yeah, crackling right? thing that was that was cool. So cool. He and uh, oh, a big shout out to um. Uh, I'm drawing a blank on the the actor, but Nightcrawler is so yes. good. Alan yes. Cumming. Yes. Yes. Alan Cumming. Yes, Cumming. He is he is fantastic. There, were, there was so much potential that got like teased in X2 as well because like one of my, I love Colossus. He's one of my favorite X Men, and you yes. get a brief moment with him, and you just wanted him to stick around, and they were like, no, no, go away, and I'm like, no. Come back, please. I don't care about Pyro and Bobby Drake. Like fuck Bobby Drake. That dude sucks. He's like, I hate him. <laughs> um, I've never liked Bobby Drake. Anyway, uh, very, very excellent choice, but completely, completely legit. Aesop. No, Tunny. Tunny. Drink. Drink. Ugh. My number six, yes. Uh, it's kind of a shout out to a couple of movies we covered last week. Training Day and Gladiator. Okay. What? No, that what? That's your number six? Did, yeah, they're they're two movies, sir. I understand, but we covered them both last week, right? Yes, we did. Yes. Okay, I see okay. what you're saying. And these are these are movies that would be on my top ten action list, so I'm throwing them in here at the number six spot, and we can keep moving moving along. You're putting two you, movies in your number six. You have two sixes. He he manipulated it's the my rules list, a little by bit. The way. It's okay. Okay, we, I don't like it. Uh, number day, six, it's, it's number six. Pick your, give us your number I six. Think, so I think someone else had it higher. It's taken. Yes, and so on that note, 
Um, we will turn the corner into an effective higher on our list as we head into a commercial break. Mr. Platt, since Tony loves it that when you do the commercial, would you mind being the pro wrestling tease guy just to annoy PC Tony? Take your time. Take as long as you want. Take as short as you want. You do it. You're welcome. That's my line, fucker. All right, Platt has a fucker. If you want a fucker or if you want to fuck him, whatever you're into, you need to be aesthetically pleasing. And what better way to make yourself aesthetically pleasing by and also simultaneously supporting your favorite website for news, reviews, opinion, and, and analysis because you're smarter than the average fan by going to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot and picking up an official chair shot t-shirt. You're going to find something that you absolutely adore. I guarantee it. We have a plethora of designs, ladies and gentlemen, including one of the newest, Nefarious Means. If you don't know, go back in chair, short, chair Shot Lore and you'll figure that part out. Jesus did the job and his dad was the promoter. That's my personal favorite, unless you're Jewish and believe that that whole story is horseshit. But that's neither here nor there. You'll still get over with the T-shirt. Say Tag Team Wrestling. You're tired of Fox News. You're tired of CNBC. You're tired of CNN or whatever else. Rally against the machine, folks. Hashtag journalism. What more? What says revolution better than a good old-fashioned dose of American capitalism and many, many other cool designs here. Again, if you appreciate the content we provide day in and day out here at The Chair Shot, the best way to make sure we keep providing that content you love so much day in and day out here at The Chair Shot is by supporting the movement and going to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash The Chair Shot and picking up an official Chair Shot shot t-shirt. Fellas, make sure you get it soft style. Spend the extra five bucks. Your epidermis will thank you for it. And that's the only time that's acceptable in life. Ask him, ask her. You already know what it is. TheChairShot.com. Remember, we're not just a website. We're a movement. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Did America say you know it was over with the Germans you know bombed Pearl did. Harbor? Anyway, when we come back... Our top five action films of the 2009, 2000 to 2009 era. You're listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of thechairshot.com. Why should you visit thechairshot.com? Thechairshot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head all right we are back it took us a while to get there but here we are with our top five action films for the op project 2000 to 2009 Aesop mitchell kick us off yes my number five is that ang lee classic it's crouching tiger hidden dragon boom keep going i, I like the point crouching woman hidden cucumber was that a thing? We have skipped the selection. It is now Tony's <laughs> turn. We will now proceed I, I, with Tony's I, number five. I wanted five. to put... I, I, I could remember if that was 99 or 2000. So that's why I think that's... TheChairShot.com. The Always use your head. Thanks. Apparently we're just stealing everything from Tony today. That's fine. 
Yes, yeah, Tony, you're next. Me with me. Yeah, interrupting me with me. That's a that's Tony 101 right there. Yeah, I that's learned, a, I learned that's, from the that's the great that's Tony's greatest hits. <clears throat> I have two movies at number five. Oh Jesus, fuck Tony! It's a ten list. <laughs> I know, but I'm keeping us moving along here because one of them we covered last week in. I mean, this is I'm keeping us moving along, though, rule. because one of them we covered last week in all The right. Dark Knight. Well, and I think that's anyway. uh, all right. Fine. And the other one is shout out to Heath Ledger and it's A Knight's Tale, which isn't going to get mentioned in my comedy list. And I think it a lot of great action sequences and wanted to put it in there somewhere so, because it's a great movie. And I didn't know where to put it in the genres. And that's all we have to say about it. And that's a lot quicker than the rest of the selections we have left. So we can carry on. Can I, it's a sports I do, movie. I do have one. I actually, honest to God, have one question because I've always found this to be an interesting take from folks with that film. How did people feel about modern music used in the soundtrack with that movie? Like, clearly, Tony, it didn't bother you because you enjoyed the movie. It was in your, it was on your list. But I, I a, honestly think it's a, an interesting question. It's almost it's a it's a it's a rom com with action is what it is, and sure. it's great. What's the, I mean, what's the alternative? They're going to play the fucking doom, 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 doom. Like, what the fuck? What, what was the alternative? Well, hey, if Martin Lawrence can use it in Black Knight, they can but, do it in Knight's Tale. Honestly, more! But, but just, to, just to take your question, Chris, somewhere, when you say what, what are they going to do? Like, a period film tends to have period-sounding music, like, of, of the era, whatever it is. Like, if I, like, Troy... Or Gladiator, if say say Gladiator, as they're in the middle of yeah, but this, this the medieval fight times, arena, they're playing the, Thunderstruck. Sucked at medieval times, man. Uh, it wasn't yeah, an well, acoustic guitar. What do you call that Mid- shit that they was drumming and strumming? What the fuck is that shit even called? Medieval it, times can be displayed as super serious or not as so serious, especially with the Jester and the Joker being such high in the lore of medieval times. Whereas the Roman era, you know, I know you have onstage comedies and tragedies and things of that nature, but it's more the drama of the families and the wars and the armies. Really, I wish they, like, really X going to give it to you. Over, over the music, man. Quiet. <laughs> you're number five, man. Oh, give it to you. Hey, yo, Miss Bitch, let me get some water. That's not your number five. What's your number five? <laughs> My, uh, Miss Lady Bitch, I get some water. My number five is. <laughs> Is first Batman decision. Begins. Batman Begins. Oh yeah. boy, is that not on anybody's list? No. Really? I I feel yeah. like I like I feel like I like I like this movie a lot more than most because I'm I'm an inquisitive melon farmer and it answered a lot of questions to me because I'm looking at Batman I'm like, well, how did he get the Batmobile? Or how was he able to construct the Batcave and bring all this equipment in, this high-tech-ass equipment in, and nobody was none the wiser? And that movie answered all of my questions that I had to how Bruce Wayne got to the Batman. And, I, I, yeah, I think it's a good movie. I, you know, I think you actually made a really interesting point because one of the things that I've always found unique about Batman versus other superhero films is that for some reason the origin story of Batman often takes a backseat to like everything else. Uh, like to even, the, to the, the practical practicality well, of how did this come to be? Right. Cause if you look at uh like you look at Burton's Batman in 89, 
Like, they explain what event led him to become Batman, but they never really talk about the journey of him becoming Batman. He is already Batman. Like, you're introduced to the character with him interrupting crime. And it Batman Begins is one of the few iterations of Batman where he goes through things and decides to become Batman much like other superhero films. And so it was nice. And it, it was a nice way to introduce the league of shadows without confusing the crap out of people. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I only went with one movie in the dark Knight trilogy and that was my number five, which is apparently higher on your list. Cause it, uh, my number five is the dark Knight. So we'll skip that and we'll go straight into my number four, which I also know is higher on people's list. Cause I haven't heard them say yet. And that's kill bill volume one and two higher on Aesop and Tony's list, if I do believe, which then segues nicely. I, I, I said it, by the way. I said it. You did, but it was lower on your list, so I'm talking about Fair. where where it's going along. Um, not everything is a slight on you, Christopher Platt. It's okay. We love you. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I just feel like it is, Pat. I just do. I mean, I, I love you, and we only hurt the ones we love. That's At least that's what my father <laughs> used to say when he used to hit me. Um, and, then th- and welcome to, you know, Bandwagon Nerds you know, dark. The Tony, the drunken Irish edition, apparently. I mean, I have been consuming. Tony, get me out of this. Mm. <laughs> I, I mean, black people, Number we have four. substance abuse problems too, man. You ain't alone. <laughs> with it. Like, fix it. Who's turn? Who's? Is it my turn? It is your turn. It's your number. No, four. it's not. Is it, is it Platts? No. Platt comes after you. Does he? Yeah, it's Platt's turn. Platt, Drink. Number four. Go. Oh, we're, we're go Platt. Four. Damn it. We're number four yeah. right now, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh huh. Um, uh-huh. Four Brothers. Oh, okay. Nice. Not one that's, that's on my list, but nice. Good call. I I got to admit, man, I wanted this to be my number one, but I had to take my personal bias out of it because I just absolutely love this movie. I, I love the, the dynamic between the four main characters. Like, you actually, the chemistry that they had amongst each other, you really bought into the fact that they were actually brothers and grew up as brothers. And this is one of my movies where we all have these movies, right? Where you're flipping through the channels and you see that it's on. It doesn't matter at what point the movie is on. You see it, you turn into it, and you're all in from whatever point that it's it's on, right? I also love the fact that it was actually, it was a remake of a Spaghetti Western known as the, the Sons of Katie Elder, which starred uh, John Wayne and Dean Martin. So if you haven't seen it, I go out your way to see it. If you're a Western fan, go out your way to see it. It's actually a really good movie. But yes, this movie was just excellent. And it took everything in my power not to put this as my number one. Because I, I know most people don't see it in that, you know, it, it, they don't hold it as in high esteem that I do. But I, I just, I love this movie. It's a great action movie. It's a it's literally a spaghetti Western set in a modern day Detroit landscape you know what i mean but it, it has all the same tropes and it, it's just phenomenal it's well acted the ending kind of falls on its face like they didn't necessarily stick the landing but it's just in terms of just entertainment value and movies yeah it it it, it does it for me shout out to you for putting four brothers at number four though <laughs> that's funny. That's, that's, that's I, I, that, I didn't do that on purpose. It just kind of worked out like that. Like I had it at my number one for so long. I just, to be fair, like I said, I thought it was just me and my bias. Like I, I couldn't. Very. Uh, yeah. I was trying to be Chuck objective. Of you. You know? 
Oh, shut up. Is it now Tony's turn? Yes. All right. It's a true story. True My number four story. is collateral. Oh, sorry. Oh, I had collateral. That's one of the ones that didn't make the cut. Please, Tony, please elaborate. I I really enjoyed the chemistry between Tom Cruise and Jamie Foxx. Jada Pinkett Smith is in this movie. Mark Ruffalo, Peter Berg, Bruce McGill. I mean, you, you, the list goes on and on. It's it's a really good. Javier Bardem is in this movie. It, it's just amazing, amazing list of people who are in this movie. It it Tom Cruise is sent to do bad things to someone that works at uh, some government office in California. And Jamie Foxx is the cab driver who gets paid $600 to take Tom Cruise around town. And he's very reluctant to break the law at the beginning. But as we move along, uh, they're in this together. And it's quite the thrill ride. It's a little bit more of a thriller than an action movie, but the action is great. And uh, speaking of film noir, from the Batman last week, a lot of neo-noir action here in this thriller of a film. Nice. Good choice. Cool. Uh, my number four is V for, Ven- for Vendetta. Oh, my God. I had a mini stroke there. Uh, based on the books of the same name from the 80s, follows a post-war London, London that is now in a fascist regime oppressing the people on the city. Vigilante, simply known as V, fights back against said oppressors. And, uh, man, Hugo Weaving's voice for V is so mysterious it draws you in much in the same way that it actually draws Natalie Portman's Evie in the film. The Wachowskis were the ones who penned the screenplay. And my God, do you feel every bit of those siblings throughout the film as it has a weird sort of Matrix spinoff feel to it? And I like I love V for Vendetta a lot. And if you had to put... Uh, a Matrix-esque movie in there, Platt. Like, that's the one that I put in. I love that movie. I uh, I love it as well. Um, it's, it's uncanny sometimes to, to, like, watch that movie or read the comic and then, like, we always talk about how sometimes films are reflective. Like, a lot of reflective stuff in that film. Oh, uh, yeah. To, to the world we live in today. But if I were to if I were to talk about a scene that I think is just well shot and well done and well put together, the domino scene is terrific filmmaking. Um, with the way, um, and I can't remember the guy's name that's doing the voice. Stephen, um, I can't remember his name, but he's doing the voiceover. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's doing the narration, talking about what's going to happen, and the cutaways as V sets up the dominoes. And, and the way it gets executed and he knocked it's just so well done it's beautiful um yes. it's a great movie it was also on dave's list um and i'll share that uh where it was later on in the program all right my number three actually started out at number nine on my list and has been literally climbing up this entire weekend and even into this show it's kung fu hustle <laughs> I love Kung Fu Hustle Off. I love this movie. And, and like I, I like I said, I, I had it at number nine. And as I started my, writing my other feelings towards each subsequent movie that was uh, ahead of it, I just did not feel I was doing Stephen Chow's film 
justice, putting it so high on my list. Chow, who not only directs, but is also the lead, pays a massive tribute and pokes fun at, of the classic Chinese wuxia uh, films with great humor and some killer fight scenes to boot. I find myself watching Kung Fu Hustle more and more, uh, and I would think in a given year, it, it's just so worthy of a re-watching. That first uh, initial scene in Pigsty Alley where uh, the, the three masters come out of hiding and you see them kind of go at it with the Axe Gang is very fun. Yeah, Kung Fu Hustle. I, uh, you know, I thought back and forth and I, I, as to what sort of Kung Fu martial arts action films I wanted to have on there and, you know, obviously made my choices down a little bit further on my list and, and just as I got closer and closer to the top, I had other ones that I wanted to put there, so... That's that's how that fell off of mine. Tony, you're number three. All right. My number three stars a list of unbelievable. You know, I love it when the cast is excellent. Antonio Banderas, Selma Hayek, Johnny Depp, Mickey Rourke, Ava Mendez, Danny Trejo, Enrique Iglesias, Willem Dafoe, Cheech Marin. Once upon a time in Mexico. Directed by Robert Rodriguez. Anybody? Bueller? Didn't think so. It, 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 talk about trilogies. Like, this finishes a trilogy that Robert Rodriguez set out and, and executed wonderfully. Talk about El Mariachi and Desperado. This finishes that story. And in an excellent way, in my opinion. I, I, the rewatch, you talk about rewatchability. To me, this is great. This is like such a Western feel to it. Like it, it, he wanted it to be his good, bad, and the ugly. So I, I love it. If you've never seen it, you should check it out. It's, it's just a great performance by every single one of these actors in this movie. I had that movie on my list of ones that didn't make the cut because it was a dope movie. I just, I like Desperado better, and that came out in the late '90s, so that's why I didn't make my cut. But I'm glad that it made somebody's 95. cut. And I'm glad yeah, yeah. that you you talked about it. So you, props to you, man. Seriously. Yeah, Desperado Desperado was on my my '90s project list for action films. As I you want to talk about a movie I watched on repeat? That was that was a movie I watched all the time back in the and El Mariachi is the same way. Like you, both of those are, are terrific. For some reason, I don't know why. Um, like it's a it's a very good action film. I liked it. it I, and I think it was a, a more than appropriate end of the trilogy. It felt so much more polished than the other two that it I almost took. That. A, see, and, and for me, I liked that it was just sort of like like that. El, that just Desperado and El Mar Mariachi just had like this feeling of there was a rough edge to it that was unfit. That just it felt different, um, which is why it I was fell expecting off list. closure. I was expecting right. closure. No, I was it expecting absolutely tightness. does that. It absolutely does that. That's not what I'm getting. It's just like the look and the feel of the film is a little bit different than Desperado and El Mariachi. And, and to me, that's why it fell off my list is because I like when I looked at the ones that I, I kept on there, like that takeaway hurt it enough to keep it off my list. Does that make sense? The first two were three years apart. And right. then the second one, the third one came like eight years exactly, after yeah. the second one. So you can, you can it's like having siblings, you know? That's fair. 
Whose turn is it? Vlad. Number three? Number three. So at my number three, I had Spider-Man 2. Okay, cool. And people clearly have it higher, so we'll keep it moving like an escalator. No, no, no. no. Oh, no, I, I was saying you. I was just fucking with you. Oh, so nobody has it higher. No, yeah. Nobody I has had it. Nope. I had it. I had it at six on my list. You have it at two, so it's no superhero movies. But let's talk about it. Like number one, you know, at the time that it came out, this was, I think, the consensus best comic book movie that ever happened, and I think that it holds up very well. I still enjoy Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man as much as I love Tom Holland. Tobey Maguire is still my Spider-Man. It just is what it is. This movie, it had heart, it had emotion, it had absolutely, at for the time that it came out, the special effects and the action scenes, they held up very well. And, you know, there was a lot of groundbreaking shit that went in there. Obviously, I'm a Sam Raimi fan, as we talked about earlier in, in regards to The Evil Dead. I, I like the comedic tone, but Spider-Man is just my guy. Like, Batman and Spider-Man, those are my guys, and... I, I really enjoyed this movie, and I think that it holds up very well. So that's why I had it as high on my list as I did. Patrick, what what are your thoughts about this movie? It's my it's my third favorite Spider-Man movie of all time. Um, actually, that's not true. It's my second favorite Spider-Man movie of all time. I I would actually put it in front of No Way Home at this point. Um, Good man. But and for me, Into the Spider Verse is still the best Spider-Man movie ever made. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a comp here. Back when Michael Keaton was cast as Batman, a lot of people went, huh, is that going to work? When it got announced that Alfred Molina was going to be cast as Otto Octavius, I know I wasn't alone in being like, well, that's some casting. I'm not sure I'm going to buy that. And he crushes it as Otto He's so Octavius. Good in spider-man 2 and i would argue his performance probably is why we have no way home the way we have no way home because willem dafoe was a good green goblin he wasn't a he wasn't perfect and i loved that first movie molina took a character that isn't typically known for having this like sort of tragic life backstory and, and made it believable, made him a sympathetic villain, made him somebody you wanted to have the redemption for. So when he got it years later in the MCU, it paid off. And, you know, I think that the one of the reasons why Spider-Man 2 doesn't age quite as well for me um, is as I, as I get further and further into my years and more advanced, I get a little less into melodrama. And I do feel that there is a bit of, particularly with the Parker MJ romance, just a little too much melodrama for my liking. Still a terrific movie. Still wonderful. It was number six on my list. So, the, yeah. I mean, you, the, you have the, to, oh. the train scene. Oh, the with, train with, scene is amazing. That that train scene is still one of the yeah the greatest comic book That's, movie that scenes. Starts, in, that starts in, on in the history. clock tower with him throwing the clock hands and doing all that yeah it's it's a great great scene with parker holding the train like that's that's drama like that's just it's drama it's terrific so no no argument there um and like i said it was on my list but um it's probably like i said it's probably number two 
that is um that 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 whole movie is done because of Alfred Molina's Doc Ock and the amount of things that you can attribute his performance to uh I, you know, not only Doc Ock portrayals later on but also so I would say Spider-Man character arcs later on um it, it is because of that it, you know they referenced Absolutely. it I don't know how much it, it necessarily matters but um, Insomniac Spider-Man, the game got a lot of that stuff from Spider-Man two. And they weren't, they have wholeheartedly admit that And that game. Uh, yeah, that game story is, is fucking fantastic. So, uh, I, I mean, Molina just crushed it so hard. Absolutely. All right. Looking at our time, and, we only got about 19 minutes left of show. So we have got to keep moving. Okay, fellas. Um, I love you, but we're still, we're in our top three where, and I'm going to drink again. Whose turn is it? I lost track. yours. It is my turn. My number three. Right? That's fine. Uh, my number three is Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Is that the highest that it's gotten to um, on anybody's list at this point? I love Kung Fu movies. Platt, you talked about um, The Matrix and and how The Matrix sort of introduced that style. Ang Lee, this, this to me didn't just introduce that style. It embraced it. It showcased it. And really introduced an American audience to a style of film that they are not used to seeing. Uh, it deserved all the accolades. And, you know, between Chow Yun-Fat and Michelle Yao, you, you just could... It was it was amazing. It was beautiful. The use of sound is 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 amazing. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's a pretentious movie, but it's beautiful. I love it. All over a sword. It's so great. The- that uh, this feels film feels like it's ahead of its time, but also then landed at the appropriate spot, right? I know that right. seems very contrarian, but the, I don't feel like people really got to appreciate how good Crouching Tiger is. And like you said, can Ang Lee just be more consistent? Because when he's on, he is one of the greatest directors of film, but then he sure. makes you know garbage sprinkled in here and there that makes you question your existence. That's fair. Whatever. No, I agree with uh, both of you guys' assessments. This movie is absolutely brilliant to me. I Honestly, I thought it came out in 99, and that's probably why it wasn't on my list. But, you know, we got to give John Woo his flowers, because he's the one that introduced that Matrix-y style to the, to the Western culture. But Ang Lee, he did his thing and dipped his toe, like I said earlier, in it, in this movie. But yeah, this is an absolutely beautifully shot. It it looks aesthetically beautiful, and it's a pretty story that they tell. Like so, yeah, all all, all praises due. Could have landed Lee in my fantasy. In this movie. It really could have. Um, and you know, this movie spawns Hero. It spawns House of Flying Daggers. It spawns so many other great movies after it. So. Excellent, excellent number three. My number two is Taken. Uh, is it higher up? Uh, is anybody's number one not seeing that? Um, again, if you would have told me that 50-something-year-old Liam Neeson could be a badass and just wipe out the world left and right, and we've talked about this throughout this list, the plot is simple. The action is fucking, fucking balls to the wall. Great once it gets going. And I will, um, I, I will never go to Tripoya, uh, ever. 
I Jess, had this. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I apologize. I was going to say, it's, this is the this is the meme film of the 2000s, man, and in the best way. I, that it, I had it on my list at six. It you, the the number of times that you heard uh, parody speeches of him doing the phone call, right, it, is nauseating at this point. But you can't deny that it was such a great scene. I had it at number nine on my list. And again, this is one of those ones because of the cultural significance and relevance of this movie, because this spawned a whole new genre of action flick. Like you got Jack Reacher with Tom Cruise playing Liam Neeson. You got John Wick that's still going on with Keanu Reeves playing Liam Neeson. We had the Equalizer movies with Denzel Washington playing Liam Neeson. We had a fucking, um, we, there was a couple of movies that they tried with Charlize Theron as Liam Neeson. I don't think they really hit. Hell, we had um, fucking Patrick's uncle, Bob Odenkirk last year come out playing Liam Neeson in a movie. You know what I mean? So yeah, the so the the cultural relevance and significance of this movie, man, it deserves to be talked about. And just for it on its own merits, it's Liam Neeson with his soy sauce dyed hair, not fucking around, and it fucking works on every level on the testosterone side of the game. It's Liam Neeson, not fucking around. You got it. Hey. Stop fucking around and tell us you're number two. My list was still fluid here. And uh, the, number two, we're picking nits. I'm going to go with The Dark Knight. I mean, The Dark Knight was my number five. So I'm right there with you. Okay. Nobody else had it higher? Nope. No, I think Dave covered it on, had it on his list last week. I did. Or, or I had, had it on two. his list for drama last week, so I think that's why I left it off this week. I'm picking it here because it's damn near a perfect movie. It's well acted. It's the story of the rise and subsequent <laughs> fall of Harvey Dent. It's absolutely perfect. You know where I'm going, Patrick. That's why you're laughing now. Why no, I'm, I'm laughing picking at Aesop, why I... giving you giving you a face over calling it damn near a perfect movie. That's what I was. That was actually what I was laughing oh. at. But but it is. I mean, I mean, you could make an a a legitimate argument that this is the best movie of that time frame. The thing that kind of pulls me out of it, number one, Christian Bale, he makes some questionable choices with Bruce Wayne and Batman, like that boys, give me a break. But it goes back to the Margot Kidder side of the game, which please take that down, Patrick, no, as your background. No, I put her up there for you, man. I know how you feel about her, so I figured you'd want to see <laughs> you, you have these two, again, we're picking this, but you have these two powerful-ass men in Bruce Wayne and Harvey Dent, and they're both pining over pie-face-ass Maggie Gyllenhaal. That kind of takes me a little bit out of it. Other than that, it's damn near a perfect movie. It's absolutely phenomenal. Shout out to Heath Ledger, R.I.P. He killed it in the role as the Joker. Aaron Ektoll, I think that's Eckhart. how you say his name. Eckhart. He was, whatever. Eckhart. He was great Thank you. In, in his Thank portrayal you as Harvey Dent. Okay, cool. He was great as, as his portrayal as Harvey Dent. And this was a phenomenal movie. And I think this movie kind of um, changed the game because it showed that these comic book movies need to be taken seriously as actual films. 
Absolutely. I, I do. I think this was a, a legitimizing film for, and I went back and forth as to whether to include this, whether it should be action, whether it should be drama, what it should be. Um, because it is kind of tough because it is kind of a psychological thriller uh, as much as it is anything else. Uh, but you can't deny the performances, particularly of Ledger. You can't deny the performances of, uh, like, Christian Bale's, like, ridiculous voice, I actually think, is at its worst come, you know, <laughs> The Dark Knight Rises. So yeah, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Uh, by the way, Bandwagon Nerds does not endorse, uh, you know, face-shaming various actors throughout the world. You wouldn't give it to an ordinary <laughs> citizen. Exactly. Uh, and on that note, we will move over to Mr. Tunney for his number two. My number two is a little Western action drama called 310 to Yuma. It's a remake of the 1957 film and uh, the short story by Elmore Leonard. And it stars a plethora of excellent, excellent people in this cast. Russell Crowe, the outlaw being taken to jail by train, uh, Christian Bale, uh, Peter Fonda, Alan Tudyk, Gretchen Mole. Just, I I love watching Westerns. It's it's a big reason why I love HBO Max, because of the hub they have. Yes, Patrick? No, no, go ahead. Oh, you have it up higher? No, no, I have a question. Oh, I thought uh, you But were... I just finished your thought. Go yeah. ahead. Go, if you well, love Westerns, no, I... go watch The Sons of Katie Elder, man, with John Wayne and Dean Martin, if you're a Western so, guy. What's go your question, Patrick? Well, I'm just, was is this a makeup because you couldn't put, because you forgot to put Tombstone on a list in the 90s project? He is no, not at all. I love. I actually love this film. I really did. I I, I watch it no, multiple it really times. Good. I just think it's it's an excellent western. I love the genre, and it had to be on this list right here for me. Um, just I, people think about all the things Russell Crowe and Christian Bale did in this decade, and this is so underrated. It's an amazing. Uh, there's another. Uh, Western in this time period, maybe it's the next decade with Robert Duvall that we might get to. Uh, maybe it was the previous decade, but this one just one stands with, out to me with, as with him and Kevin Costner open range. Yes. Is that what it is? The open yeah, range, yeah, open range. I yeah, think that's next yeah. decade. Maybe so it, they both remind me of each other. They're just excellently well done. New era, uh, modern millennium Western films. Cool. Uh, my number two is. I love. Can can can, can we Asa hurry up? We got ten me? minutes, people. Can you? Can, can Patrick? Can he not follow me anymore? He no sells the shit out of me, and I don't like it. I don't <laughs> want to work with him anymore. He's only got one show left. My number two is Hot Fuzz. Interesting. Uh, getting... yeah, okay, you you can follow me anytime. <laughs> I'm saying. <laughs> Getting the, the Shaun of the Dead trio back together, Hot Fuzz, buddy cop films with Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, with director Edgar Wright helming, as well as a massive crew uh, of some of the strongest British acting talent. It's so much dry, deadpan humor, which means it's perfect for me. Uh, and while it may not be the most action-packed throughout the film, when they do give you some action, it is wild especially that last half hour which is just non-stop action i love hot fuzz uh you know i was funny because i think that i fell victim to 
I want this to be Shaun of the Dead. And then, you know, kudos to them. It, it wasn't at all. Um, the, the climax is just bonkers, by the way. The, like, the climax of that movie, like the final gunfight, is, is a yeah. lot of fun. Um, it is, you know, I, I went back and forth also. Is it a comedy? Is it an action movie? Is it a comedy? Kind of like what you can do with Shaun of the Dead. Is it a horror movie? Is it a comedy? Is it a horror movie? I mean, it's definitely making fun of zombie movies, but at the same time, like, it's still a horror movie. So, um, yeah, I just, that's a, it's an interesting choice and not one I would have seen in a number two. So, way to keep us and on our toes. That's, uh, that's my, my brand right there. Uh, are, and then, are, we to, are we to the end of the number twos? Yes, that was the last yes. number two. Okay, I think Platt should go first with number one because I think Patrick, myself, and Aesop have the same number one. Really? Well, yeah, I'm fairly I, certain we all have yeah. the same number one. And we're, I, I think that it's all about the same guy, just different movies, actually. Okay, what's your number one? Inglorious Bastards. No, not even the same guy. Um that's well, big. somebody got Kill Bill because we didn't get to talk about it. Yeah, the other three of us have Kill no, Bill no, number no, one. No, no, I, I don't. I don't. I have Kill Bill at number. Patrick four. literally just said he didn't have Kill Bill as somebody number one. Sir. Aesop. Aesop. Aesop has. So you two have Kill yeah. Bill at number one. Okay. I had Kill Bill at number four. Yeah. My number one is different. So okay. Kill Bill. We all had him on our list. By the way, yes. I think Platt, you had Kill Bill on your list too, right? I did. I had Kill Bill at number eight. So we all Aesop, had Kill Bill on there. Yeah. Aesop, you're the best at this. Go ahead and take take the lead. Sure. Gee, thanks. Care, Kill Bill, volume one and volume two. Tarantino yes, uses color and light to showcase the spin on a samurai western and grants depth to every last piece in Kill Bill. From the costumes, to the music, to the performances themselves, which you already know, Tarantino knows how to pull talent out of his actors. And much like the Bourne movies from earlier, uh, Kill Bill is one cinematic masterpiece split into two films. So I couldn't in good conscience pick just one, though the best action clearly comes from part one as the crazy 88 scene is by and large one of the coolest things I have watched in my short life. I think Kill Bill is so perfect, and Tarantino just just absolutely demolishes what he sees. It's an amalgamation of his career to this point. It, it's bringing everything together that was successful and putting it together in an excellent way. And I, the cast, again, is excellent. Think about the people he's involved with. Uma Thurman, just no one else could have put this movie at the level that it sits, especially in our opinions. Uh, it's my favorite Quentin Tarantino movie series, but like I think back to Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction and just like tying that up into better bundles and, and delivering it in, in odder ways, and that's Quentin Tarantino. So, number one, I, I have to say that I, I disagree with you. Number one, it, it is one movie. Like the only reason that they split the movie up is because marketing and now, studios nowadays, and Hollywood gets movie. into it. It would have been one four and a half hour movie for you to digest yes. at the theater. Yeah, and yeah. Aesop, 
I would have had to go pee for that four and a half hour movie, unlike the three hour one we just watched. But 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 number two, Tony, I disagree with you in that this is the perfect amalgamation of all Quentin Tarantino movies. I don't think it was that because if you watch T- Quentin Tarantino's body work, you can see that he grew up absolutely obsessing over and loving black exploitation flicks, spaghetti westerns, and kung fu movies. So he got his black exploitation flick in Jackie Brown back in '97. He Great. later on got his spaghetti western in The Hateful Eight, and this right here, this is his kung fu movie. This is Quentin Tarantino's homage to kung fu flicks, and it's absolutely perfect. It's a little gory for my taste, which is why I had it a little bit lower than you guys did. But it's an absolutely brilliant film. It really is. So I actually I'm speaking. Oh, I'm, I'm just just want to clear it up quick. I'm speaking from an action perspective. Okay, I, I I agree with you. I see where you're going with that. Here's I actually disagree a little bit that it, both parts are completely complete homages to samurai films because I would I have long argued that Volume One is an anime movie done to live action, uh, and the crazy the crazy eighty eight battle is like that's a straight up right out of an anime film. Somebody lops off an arm and the blood sprays everywhere. Like, that is anime to a T. He included an anime segment to tell the story of Oren Ishii in in the film because of his love of that art form and his appreciation of his art form. And so I actually view them very distinctly in those sorts of looks because number two... Part volume two is is absolutely a thousand percent, one hundred percent, all the way beginning to end. That is a um, solitary samurai western. What like that's that is straight out of um, kung fu. The the legend continues, uh, like that, like lone warrior going to face a foe. Um, it's. It is to me. That's his magnum opus. I love it. You know, I think. Uh, you know, you're going to talk about Inglorious Bastards at some point, um, which I didn't even know that came out in the first decade. That's impressive. But um, I, yeah, I watched. I'll watch those back to back on a, on a on an afternoon, and and not even notice the time. So it's it was my number four, um, but it, it could have easily been up there with everything else. It's going to win this week. So, to Christopher Platt, it's, it is now to you with your number one because Aesop and Tony both had the same number one. Again, we go back and forth here with, you know, these action movies and what constitutes an action movie. Just real quick, shout out to Sin City, Bad Boys 2, Rush Hour 2, Collateral. I, I think somebody actually brought up Collateral. Uh, fucking Memento. I am Legend. These are the Departed. These are just some of the ones that didn't make the cut for me. And there's plenty, plenty more. But you know, we only have so much time left. Uh, Inglorious Bastards is absolutely brilliant as a film. I mean, what else could you ask for? It had a hot lead. They found you know Shoshana. She was absolutely gorgeous as the you know the the Jewish prisoner Christopher Waltz. We didn't know who Christopher Waltz was or what he was capable of, and he absolutely killed his role. And you get Nazis getting killed. 
you got Brad Pitt doing Brad Pitt stuff, and ultimately we got Nazis being killed, and we got to see Hitler being killed. Like it's a it's a, a phenomenal movie, and I feel like this was Quentin Tarantino at the height of his powers. And a remake, because that original Inglorious Bastards is weird and not this good. Yeah. Um, it, it really it really does speak to where he was in this first decade as a director that two of the three options that we're going to list uh, on the Bandwagon Nerds poll so far are Quentin Tarantino flicks. So, uh, I, uh, honest to God, like I said, I forgot that it was even released in the first decade. I didn't realize it was 2009. So, um, I missed that one. Uh, my number one was brought up earlier as a trilogy, but it's the born identity, uh, for me. And when I think of something that epitomizes an action flick, Matt Damon, um, as a sleeper soldier who, you know, fall is, is found floating in the middle of the ocean by a fishing vessel, um, without his memories, doesn't know who he is and things come back to him sort of as he's, as he's been programmed. And once again, Brian Cox, there he is. There's that (laughs) man again, Chris Cooper, also in that one, Julia Stiles, um, but Matt Damon carries this uh, in a way that, again, I didn't expect him to do so. And, you know, we, were, we are now fully into the era of movie stars being action stars and that there aren't specific action stars anymore the way there used to be. And um, Keanu Reeves was the same way. But Matt Damon w- was an o- is another one that suddenly... Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. Here's this guy who you don't expect to be doing an action movie who's doing all kinds of what look like really complicated maneuvers, but when you really pay attention to it, it's not. It's just, it's very good (laughs) choreography, Um, but it's well done and it's very clever. Uh, Clive Owen's in this movie um, as one of the, one of the assassins that tries to, to take him down in the mystery of Treadstone. And it spawned three really, really good movies. Uh, Also in the land of European car chases, anytime you can drive down a staircase, it's a win. We got multiple staircases driven down win for the born identity. And that is my number one. Big shout out to uh, Paul Greengrass for doing a fantastic job picking up where the original director, Doug Lyman kind of left off. Right. And shout out to the born identities. This was one of the ones that I had on my list. It just didn't make the list, but yeah, I get it. And I mean, this was a star making turn for Matt Damon. Like he came on the radar because of Goodwill Hunting, but this took him to another level. This took him to okay, badass testosterone driven level. Like this took him to the next the upper echelon, I think. So, yeah, yeah, shout out to you, Odell. Like I can't really You already know, man. I have a lot of criticisms about how how some of these lists come out, but I can't be mad at you. For that being your number one, that's a solid choice, man. Seriously, Excellent. it's well, easier to uh, it's easier to understand them when you're in here making the sausage. I feel like it's a black sheep United States version of James Bond went wrong. Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, and I loved, and I loved every minute of it. And take some time. The books are pretty good too. Um, mm-hmm. So it is based on a series of books. David Ongar's list, really quick. Uh, as we've wrapped and, up, oh, yeah. Die Another Day was on my list as well. We just, you know, I'm a James Bond mark, so, but go ahead. Let's get to Dave's, my consigliere's list. So, your consigliere's list, he had Fast and the Furious at number 10, National Treasure at number 9, V for Vendetta at 8, 
The Born Identity at seven, Kill Bill Volume yeah. One, no, only Volume One oh. at number six, Ooh. Iron Man at number five, Three Hundred at number oh. four, Spider Man Two at number three, Casino Ro- Royale, or sorry, Spider Man Two at number three, Casino Royale at number two, and The Dark Knight at number one. Wow, no Kill Bill, Dave. Uh, disappointed. He had Kill Bill. Lee had Kill Bill. Bobby didn't have Blunt, so. two. Where, where were you at? Okay. Well, I take it back. <laughs> Rightfully so. Drink. Okay, that is going to do it for the action list uh, for the Op Project. And so this week on Bandwagon Nerds for the week, the poll will be Kill Bill Volume One and Two uh, will be an option. The Born Identity and Inglorious Bastards. Those are going to be your three options. The Dark Knight has shown up on another poll previously, so I am not going to put it up again. Those are your three options. Live with it. Like it. Learn to love it. All of that fun stuff. Next week, we wrap up the Op Project with what is always my most challenging list, and I'm sure will be the rest of the bandwagons as well, as we do comedies from the first decade. Gentlemen, it's going to be quite a time. We're not going to do Patrick's pitch, but before we go, I did want to do, uh, it's been a while since I've done this, but I want to wish a melancholy happy trails to Emilio Delgado. And if you don't know who Emilio Delgado is, then you didn't grow up on the street. The street I'm referring to is Sesame Street. Emilio Delgado played Luis, the Fix-It, Mr. Fix-It Man on Sesame Street. Was very much the, he was one of the most like reassuring characters for big bird um that's who how i really remember him and uh it's it's one of those things as more and more pieces of my childhood start to transition as as christopher likes to to describe it um this one kind of hit me in a way that i was a little surprised because of just like i grew up on him and and some of the other folks that are now like i got our senior citizens um, that I don't even think that, that it didn't even occur to me that they're senior citizens. So happy trails to Luis Delgado. And as we are recording this in, in just in terms of wrestling news, um, God, uh, all the best in a recovery to Scott Hall. Yes. Um, yes. he is not in a good way right now. Uh, and so, you know, our thoughts are also to him. So happy trails, Luis and Please, speedy recovery, Scott Hall. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Before we get out of here, gentlemen, tell the world where else on the Chairshot Radio Network you can be found. This week, we will start with our special guest, Mr. Christopher Flack. I'm not a special guest, man. I'm I'm basically how, you know how Billy Preston is like the fifth Beatle? That's me with the Bandwagon Nerds. Come on, man. Get the fuck out of here. Y'all can find me on Twitter at the Real C Platt. I'm all over Chairshot. If you listen to damn near any Chairshot show, you're probably going to hear these velvet pipes because that's just what it is. Again, make sure I go to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the Chairshot. Pick up an official Chairshot t-shirt. Support the movement. Scott Hall, best wishes to you, man. We all praying that you kick out. All right, we will rotate clockwise to the fifth Beatle member of the Bandwagon Nerds, Mr. Aesop Mitchell. Seriously, I literally just called myself the fifth Beatle. That's what we're doing now. Fuck you. You're like, shit. This, this, this was my last edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Oh, Fuck everybody. Stop. Fuck you all. 
on. Come on. Well, you ain't the fifth Beatle. You're Shemp, dog. Don't oh, even try to play. Damn. Hey, so oh, damn. I'm going to call, call you Shemp, dog from now on. Shemp, dog. Hey, Shemp, dog. I'll talk to you later. All right. Uh, All right. You can always Nobody quiet down, Shemp, dog. We're trying to finish the show. Nobody cares what you have going on, ASAP. Nobody gives a shit. Yeah, you go uh, play. You can always find me on uh, the 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 bandwagon nerds. You know where I'm regularly asked to come on and appear. <laughs> you fucker! Fuck you! <laughs> also, you can listen to my brother and I talk a whole bunch of nonsense on Down the Wire every Tuesday on TheChairShot.com. Find me on Twitter. Uh, I am uh, at Dave and Cudahy or at Violent Aesop. One of the two. I don't care which one you do. Uh, also on uh, Facebook, A-E-S-O-P, Mitchell. There you go. Now uh, we'll throw it to Harpo. <laughs> no. No, that's not acceptable. <laughs> uh, you can follow me at PC Tony on Twitter and Facebook. Please continue to listen to everything Chair Shot Radio Network on all of your favorite streaming platforms and right there at the Chair Shot com. Excellent. And you can follow me on the Twitter at Wrestling Realist. That is at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-S-T. You at, oh, I fucking spelled my Twitter handle wrong because I've been drinking. At W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. You can catch me Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday on the Chairshot Radio Network. On Monday, you can hear me do Bandwagon Nerds. On Tuesday, you can hear me do Chairshot Radio. This week with PC Tunney doing a 5x5 five five of the top best and worst Saturday Night Live sketches of all time. And on Wednesdays with Greg DeMarco and Miranda Morales on the Greg DeMarco Show. That's gonna do it. Oh, and follow the show at Bandwagon Nerds. Participate in our poll. Vote them up. What was the best action movie in the first decade of the 2000s. Now that's good. Oh, Tony's got a finger up. Yep. Expect a five-hour show next week. Expect a two-hour show next week. And, or two hours and ten minutes and counting at this point. Don't do it. Don't do it. I will mute your microphone, sir. That is going to do it. <laughs> and now he's sulking. Um, that is going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Now get yourself out of the sun, but not too long. Get your brackets ready. NCAA tournament time, baby. You have been listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of the ChairShot.com. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head.